So we've just read Isaiah 61, verse 10, to Isaiah 62, verse 3, and it, it, is, it is a statement of God's passion for God's people. Now, I've referenced an author and book a lot lately in my Wednesday night teaching and in my Sunday morning teaching. And today I'd just like to quote from him at this point. My friend Frank Viola says in his wonderful book, From Eternity to Here, Rediscovering Ageless Pur the Ageless Purpose of God, he, he opens with this. Before the beginning, she was there. She is the most elegant woman in the universe. She is as ancient as God. She existed before angels. Her origins reach further back than antiquity itself. Yet she is forever young. The word stunning fails to adequately describe her. She is as beautiful as the face of God. She's beyond captivating. She is hypnotic and magnetic. Most of us have never imagined the glory that she carries. Just a glimpse of her matchless beauty could win your heart and possess your being. She is incurably attractive. This woman defies, defines liberty and she embodies freedom and she was made for love. She stands at the very heartbeat of God's eternal purpose. She is his highest passion his holy obsession even. She is the purpose of the very creation wherein you and I stand. And your Lord is out of his head in love with her. Yet despite her beauty, she has been utterly neglected. She has been forgotten. And with rare exception, she has been veiled to most of us. Frank is referring to the bride of Christ. As I said, I would recommend this book to you highly because of its incredibly, uh, not unique, but, but too long kept secret truth about the nature of the church. So as we close the year, I, I wanna remind you that everything we've talked about up to this point is a statement that the Bible is a love story, that the Bible is even before its times, a love story. What Frank is saying in this beautiful sort of prologue to the story is that it was in God's mind from the beginning, from before the beginning. You know, if you talk to a child and sometimes an adult about God, a question will often come up. And it's a very basic question, and it's worth remembering. Someone will say sooner or later, well, who created God? Children are particularly prone to ask that question, and it's a logical question. And the answer to the question is, nobody. God is. And it's an unsatisfactory answer because we can't really comprehend it. And yet, to understand the nature of God, one has to uh, agree that God wouldn't be God if we could understand everything about God's nature. The idea of 
a super being as a supreme being, as the, as the one who is wholly other, wholly apart from everything that is created, that concept is beyond the mind of the created being. And that's what separates us from the one who created us. And so we just know and agree that God existed before anything God created. And that God existed in a triune nature, in a trinity that was a, uh, a corporation of love, an incorporation of, of the most majestic love that ever existed or ever will exist. And the love of the Father for the Son and the expression of that love through the Holy Spirit is, is, a, is a triune circle that represents the nature of the love that is in our hearts. In the wedding ceremony, we say that it is God who planted love in us, or we might not have any concept for it. And so to understand what Frank is saying about this woman who would be the body of Christ, we have to understand that what he's doing is he's saying that before God created the body of Christ, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit already existed. And the love for the Father was expressed to this extent that God wanted to create the perfect companion for the Son. And the son would be even more complete because of this. And so God gives us an illustration of that in the form of the first created being, the Adam, or Adam. And then we see that after that, God draws from within the Adam, the one who would be called the woman, whose name was Eve. And the idea there is to see that the perfect companion for the man comes from within the man, even from the chest of the man where the heart resides. And so the concept is being expressed in this way, that Christ has a heartfelt desire to reproduce something new and as yet unconceived in the mind of the humans, but it is clearly envisioned by the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And so, the love that God has for the Son, that the Son reciprocates to the Father, that the Holy Spirit sort of circulates in this triune, special community that's like none other ever, is now transmitted through the body of the church, the body of Christ, the Christian believers who have died to their flesh and their human nature. In other words, like the Adam, their flesh has died. And they have embraced the new Adam, who is Christ. And so they die to their flesh, they're born again in the Holy Spirit, and while on the outside they look the same, on the inside they've been completely made over. They've had, in effect, a transfusion where they've had their human nature systematically replaced by a God nature, a spiritual nature through the Holy Spirit. 
And as we've talked about a lot over the last several months, this means then that the love of God is expressed in that God became like us in order that we might be able to become like God's son and then be, in God's eyes, his children on the same level as Christ, the son. Now, I'm hesitant to use this illustration, but I would like to say that it's a little bit like in my family where I have my natural sons and then I have daughters-in-law. And in my heart, because I desire to live Christ in me, in my own home, first and foremost, in my heart, these daughters-in-law are my daughters. I have no uh, delusion about the fact that they have their own parents and their own family story, but because they have joined with my family through my sons, they are my daughters. And I love them with the same devotion. And I see them in no particular different way from my own sons. And I get that idea from the witness of God the Father, who has embraced me in the same way through my union with Christ, through this betrothal that the bridegroom has initiated with me, through my acceptance of his proposal, I have become, in God's eyes, part of his family so that I can call Christ's heavenly father my heavenly father. And so this is the love of God that this vision that God had from the beginning that God obviously foresaw would be damaged in that process of perfection so that sin would cause some to never embrace the love of God. It would also cause those who knew the cost of ignoring God's love to turn toward God's love. And then God's love was expressed in the remarkable, beautiful thing that we celebrate at Christmas, which is the impartation of God's life to a human flesh woman, so that because of her, we have a Savior who is entirely able to identify with us, and yet who is by his very nature able to make us like him. And what he does, we celebrate at Easter time, that is so remarkable is that he takes upon himself our sin, and then in some way that cannot be adequately grasped, he absorbs all the consequence of our sin so that we are no longer separated from God because of our sin. He has covered our sin. Then... As he goes to prepare a place for us from which he will return to take us home to his father's house, he leaves with us the gift of the Holy Spirit so that we are his and we are in him even as he is in us through the Holy Spirit. And while we are still flesh and still prone to the weakness of the flesh, we are being made over. And in this makeover process that for most of us will take an entire lifetime and then whatever it takes beyond the grave in the realm of paradise, we will be perfected 
for this holy purpose that God created humanity. And now we know this humanity dedicated to Christ the Son as the church with a capital C or the body of Christ, the bride. And as we've talked about quite a lot lately, the bridegroom is on his way to claim the church, the body, the bride. And the circle will be complete again. This is the love of God that we celebrated a lot during 2020, and we're going to celebrate it all the more as we go into the next year. This is the love of God that I hope you'll embrace so that you have a personal epiphany this year or at least as you go into the next, so that you can fall in love with your Savior and be ready for his return. Let us pray. Almighty God, I thank you for your love, your most amazing, incredible love, the love that is beyond our comprehension, that existed before everything you created and now is the source of our salvation, our hope, our transformation. I thank you, God, that those who would hear this word and embrace an epiphany, something new and remarkable that awakens you to the face that's right before you. Oh, Lord, let it happen, I pray, for your name's sake. Amen.